Let's do it. If you have your Bible your, or your electronic device, let's make our declaration of faith. Somebody shout, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I am what it says I, I am. Can do I can do what it says I can do. What it says I, can I am a believer. I am a believer. And not a doubter. And not a doubter. A doer. A doer. And not just a hearer. And, not just a hearer. and my life, and my life is, the is the better. After hearing, After hearing obeying, obeying, applying, and applying a, word from the Lord. a word from the Lord. So I'm going to start out reading a foundational text, and then I'll kind of do an introduction introduction to um, our, our Healthy Habits series with these concluding thoughts. And then we'll just kind of have a conversation if that'll be all right with you, sweetheart. Yeah. Good. So our foundational text is going to be in the book of Genesis, uh, starting at verse number 39, looking at, excuse me, chapter number 39, verses number 7. Genesis 39 and 7. You say you want to read it? Okay, you can. Tim, if you could... Uh, that hissing in that speaker there, sir, if you could turn that down, please. Genesis 39, 7 and 8. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. But one day when he went into the house, verse number 11, to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and, fled and got out of the house. 13. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. 19, as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison, 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Amen. Let's do it. Father, we want to thank you once again for this opportunity to share the word of God with the people of God. I pray, Lord God, that the words of our mouths, their meditations of our hearts, that they will be acceptable in your sight. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says... Amen. Healthy habits. What y'all say about that? Has it been blessed? Has it been a blessing to anybody? Amen. Yes. Yes. So how many of you all, um, there were some goals that you, you set? I'm not going to ask you, so don't, don't be like, I ain't going to raise my hand, but maybe I should raise my hand. Any, any goals in the house? Goals? Goals? Good. What about new plans? New plans? All right. How many of you guys put, put together some eating plans, right? All right. What about exercise plans? Okay. My We're wife's... ready for empowerment fitness back then. The yeah, <laughs> absolutely. If, if you haven't noticed after service, you guys can, can walk back there. We've started on the construction for our own gym. Uh, she said, what you call it, e-fitness? Yeah, but it's empowerment fitness. Yeah, I, I think e-fitness <laughs> uh, taken. But nevertheless, so we're excited about that. Um, so how many of you guys have partnered with some type of health professional, be it a 
um, workout partner, a trainer, doctor, physician, whatever. Wave at me. Wave at me. Good, good. Sure, that counts. You go to the doctor. Amen. Praise the Lord. So what I've tried to do in this series, and I want to stand up just for a moment, um, I've tried to highlight general principles that you can literally take and apply to any situation, things that God does to kind of spur on vision, spur on goals, so forth and so on. Uh, we talked about a conscious or a cognitive interrupt that God does, and we define that as a psychological confrontation designed to reapply energy and deliberate thought to a subconscious behavioral pattern. So it's those things that you do that you don't really even know that you're doing, and then God has to allow a situation or a circumstance to happen to, to nudge you back into the, to the place where you're supposed to be. Happens to me all the time with my prayer life. There are times when my prayer life gets stale, it gets off, and then some situation where I really need God, like right now, and it's a gentle reminder that God is not just a 911 God. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. amen. But you should have an ongoing conversation with him. Another principle that I really love is the principle of saturation, where when God intentionally surrounds you with mental pictures of what he wants you to become, and that's what he did with Abraham. That's what he did with uh, this man of God. He said, if you can number the uh, stars in the sky, the sands, grains of the sands, um, you'll be able to number your seeds. So he has this vision board both day and night that God gives him. And for some of you all, how many, how many of you all God has put like some new people or some new things in your path that, to kind of help you uh, uh, be uh, cognizant of your, your health goals and your health plan? Is that anybody here? Good, good. So when it comes to these things, um, even meditation, that's still God-inspired because if you're not meditating on the Word of God, then it's not biblical meditation. It's not Christian meditation. God gives you the Word that He wants you to meditate on. So as I was thinking about concluding thoughts for this particular series, God, He gives us the principle of saturation, the principle of agreement, um, this, this healthy confrontation that He does. And this was the scripture that God gave me, and this is where we're going to rest. The book of James. James chapter number 2, verses number 20, where the Bible declares, faith without works is dead. Everybody shout that. Faith without works, faith without works is, dead. is dead. So God is faithful in his conscious interrupts. He's faithful in saturation. He's faithful in intersecting people into your life, um, interjecting people into your life to help you along the way. But after God's faithfulness, how many know that there is a work that we still have to do? Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. So the work that God gave me, and this is what we're going to dialogue on today, the work is simply not quitting. It's you making a determination that I am not going to give up. Because in the past, we have all set goals, not just set goals. God has given us goals. God has given us vision. God has given us ideas. And we have allowed situations, sometimes our flesh, sometimes spiritual warfare, sometimes the lack of support of other people to cause us to quit on God and to quit on our dreams. Everybody shout, I will not quit. I will not quit. So, sweetie, I just want to have a conversation with you about quitting. Have you ever wanted to quit? Sure, yeah. 
A few times. Now, you ain't never wanted to quit on me, have you? I did that, too. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you, I yeah. mean, he done told y'all the stories where I packed up Aisha and Greg Jr. And we was broken. We had no money to drag them in the car. That ain't no story. That ain't made up. That's the truth. I was ready to call it quits. I've been ready to call it quits on my marriage. I've been ready to call it quits on my career. I've been ready to call it quits on my health and, and fitness goals. I've been ready to call it quits on being a mother. I've been ready to call it quits on a lot of things. All around the board. As a believer, I ain't talking about somebody who wasn't saved. I'm talking about somebody saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, and still ready to throw in the towel. When we used to sing that song, He's Able, and they said, anybody ever wanted to give up? Anybody ever wanted to throw in the towel? You know, I can't do what they do. And I would throw that towel. Shoot, I was ready to throw in the towel in. <laughs> I wasn't just playing. I was for real. You, you too real today. <laughs> that girl said she was ready to quit on me, Pop. Can you believe it? <laughs> so what, what, what were the things that helped you to maintain your, your course? What, what were the things that God did? What were some of the decisions you had to make to... Um, say that despite how I get in my feelings and flesh, I'm going to stick with this man, which is the best man that God could have ever given me in the whole wide world. I'm just saying. Okay, so we're going to just talk about the, the marriage right now. That's the one thing. We're going to talk about the relationship, why I didn't quit. Um, I think. Brother <laughs> King, I'm actually a little nervous, bro. <laughs> we hadn't rehearsed this, so I don't really know what she's going to say. <laughs> practice yeah so we'll, um, we'll start with marriage okay so there's several reasons why I didn't quit or give up on my marriage um, one reason was I ain't want to be by myself the second reason is because child support is high because all the kids were coming with me no they weren't going with you my babies was coming with me look here woman <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't quit because one reason I didn't want to be alone I'm be honest I didn't, want, I, I didn't want to have to start over. Um, but as I began, and, and see, I wanted to quit because I saw all of his flaws. And I didn't focus on my own flaws. And so what I had to do in that season was learn to identify what was wrong with me. What could I do to be a better wife? Because if I could become a better wife, then in turn, he would be a better husband. So I had to start working on me and allowing God to show me where my faults were. And a lot of times we don't want to recognize that it's not wrong. We just want to show everybody else what they're doing wrong. And we don't want to admit that I got a part to play in this too. And so I had to start working on me, fixing myself, my attitude, my anger, my temperament. The Bible says that it's better to dwell on the rooftop than in a house with a contentious, nagging woman. And I was a nagging woman. And I remember when I changed uh, the, I had my phone number for my house in my phone. And I had to re-identify what my house was. And so I named my house in my phone a place of peace. Because that's what I wanted my house to be. It wasn't that, but that's what I wanted it to be. And so I knew that I was the one who was breaking the peace in my house. So I had to re-identify my role as a wife 
and I had to change some things in me. Did I answer that right? That's, that's real good. So I know um, that, you know, just given the circumstance, you, you happen to actually exaggerate just a little bit on my flaws. I do understand that because we got to keep it spicy up here. So you Let said you that. Oh, no, no. <laughs> hey, we ain't rehearsed nothing, baby. We ain't rehearsed. You know, I had to, I had to start, you know, sometimes it be the, you know how the Bible talks about it be the small foxes? It be the little things that'll, that'll ruin everything. And when we first got married, uh, fun, let me tell you, y'all should have told y'all brother that when he finished taking a bath, that he not supposed to leave <laughs> all the soap in the towel and ball it up and line it along the side of the tub. Hey. Now that was a little fox. Well, let me tell you but something. But it was big to me. Let me tell you something. I, I, had, home, one I had a good two mama. Towels, three towels. I had a good towels. mama who got my towels up for me. <laughs> she shouldn't have picked them towels up. Because I wasn't picking the towels up. And so I'm like, what is this? I ain't never seen nobody do this. Like, leave a soapy, soppy, wet towel just lined up on the side of the tub. You gotta step over the towels to get in the tub. So we're not gonna talk about all of my flaws. <laughs> uh, no, you just said you didn't have none, so I just wanted to share one back in the day. And so, you know, Oh, you're then, not finished? No, I ain't finished. <laughs> you know, he would leave his dirty clothes in the floor. Just a little, he ain't had no floor. He would leave his dirty clothes in the floor. And I used to scream and holler. That, that was the, the nagging, contentious woman. So, you know how I started working on it? I just put a pile next to his. He had a pile right here in the bathroom. I had a pile right here in the bathroom. We would just see how big the piles were going to get before somebody picked them up. And that's how he worked it out. So I did have a good question, but I think you messed it up. So my question was somewhere, you know, along these lines. So you were looking at your husband that you kind of saw exaggerated flaws, but then God challenged you to sweep around your own front door. I did. Why are you trying to sweep around mine? <laughs> so how do you work on yourself and keep your flesh, keep your attitude under control while you allow God to work on me? Well, I, I, I can remember vividly um, the aha moment. First of all, when I stand before, I realized that when I stood before God in judgment, I only had to give an account of what I did. I didn't have to give an account of what he did. And when you recognize and you realize that when you stand before God, that you only have to give an account of yourself, it'll make you start working on yourself because... I ain't got to give an account for what he did. So if I do what I'm called to do as a wife, as a mother, as whatever it, the role we're talking about, then that's what I have to give an account for. That's what I'm going to hear my well done for. He ain't say that if your husband do this, then you can. No, he, these are the things that he told me to do as a wife. And so when you realize and focus that you only have to give an account for yourself, when you stand before God, then it makes it easier for you to work on yourself and not focus on somebody else. Yeah. God spoke to me um, some time ago. I, I was actually on sabbatical, and um, my wife and I, we were in the, meeted, in the middle of a heated fellowship. I mean, we were going through some challenging, challenging times. And God spoke to me, and I heard him say, don't wait to love her future better self. And, and in essence, I, I literally put my love and affection on hold until she started acting a certain way. 
How many know that that is manipulation, borderline witchcraft? <laughs> I got one amen and a half and a clap, clap over here. <laughs> Let me say that again because it might be in the room. When you use your affection, in particular sex, as a means of control and manipulation, it is borderline witchcraft because you're trying to control the heart and the mind of the person with your own lack of love, lack of support. And God spoke to me and he says, don't do that. I heard God say this, and again, I'm just giving you guys specific words God told me. Um, so he told me, first of all, don't wait to love her better self. But if I'm going to love her, I need to love her right now. Earlier in our marriage, I heard God say this, your wife is my daughter. I heard that clearly because I wasn't acting right. You know, I've never been, okay, this, this was my, my little flaw. <laughs> my little flaw. I was good at the silent treatment. It's quiet up in here right now. I was good at the, I mean, I, I had mastered that thing. I mean, watch this. I could pick up all kind of stuff around you and act like you ain't even there. I, I had mastered on how to, you know how you can give out vibes, right? You can give out vibes. I had mastered the vibe of making her feel the coldness that was on the inside of my heart. And God stopped me and he says, your wife is my daughter. And so I had to start treating her not just as my wife, but the, as my wife has said, the man that I one day got to give an account to, I got to give an account to how I treated the gift that he gave me. And how many know that this is a gift? If you're married, let me hear you shout, my spouse is a gift. My spouse is a gift. Yes, they are. They're a gift from the Lord. And God is going to hold you accountable for how you are treating your spouse. Can somebody say amen to that? So I do. And I'm going to tell you something. That, that, that silent treatment, for somebody like me who's an extrovert, who thrives off of companionship and in conversation, that was very hard. Yeah, very, I worked it, y'all. But I learned and I, I grew. Praise the Lord. Amen. I grew. Um, yeah, I too, I wanted to quit. Not, all, not as often as you did. <laughs> I think I wear more hats than you. Ooh, okay. <laughs> all right, I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to leave that alone. Yeah, you wear more hats. I'm going to have you outside cutting the grass and doing the lawn and all that kind of stuff, too. See, I Daddy, do. Look, I do. cut our grass the other day? <laughs> <laughs> I had to tell him what to do, though. <laughs> like, don't, don't mess with that. I had to point at some stuff. Now, cutting the grass ain't equivalent as washing, cooking, cleaning, and all that. Because to cut the grass once Hey, but haven't I stepped? I've been cooking, right? I've been cooking. He's been cooking, y'all. I ain't even been complaining. Let, let me say this. In the back in the day, I messed up in the beginning. So y'all young people, if it tastes nasty. No, go ahead and tell them what you did. Just act like it tastes good. No, tell them what you did. Because I look, so I cooked some spaghetti. That was the first meal. We weren't even married. A week. A week. And I wanted to surprise my wife and just do something special. So I cooked some spaghetti. Um, I boiled some noodles. And she was working late that particular day. So she came home, and I was like, sweetie, bam, I cooked. And she put the fork in her mouth. She like, these noodles, they too mushy. 
Did you put any salt, any anything, any seasoning on this spaghetti sauce? It just, I don't know. Guess what, y'all? That was my last time cooking. <laughs> I ain't cooked for like 20 years. <laughs> he ain't lying either. But I know you ain't lying with this last dish I did. I put my foot in that. Oh, he cooked some spaghetti the other day. That sauce was touching mine. I'm telling. Oh, hold on. Touch it. According to Nathaniel, I said, How is it, Nate? He says, Dad, this is amazing. The best I've ever tasted. Now, that's what your son said. Nate just likes spaghetti. <laughs> you know what? I quit. <laughs> So let's talk about quitting. Let's talk about, uh, let's start this into, into our health. What health goals have you quit on? You know, Facebook is a trip. So I, when, when you look back at your memories on Facebook, and then you realize that last year, what's today? It's July the 17th. Well, it wouldn't be July for me, but it'd be the same time. So let's just say I could look back at my memories last year, July 17th. I was working out and I was <clears throat> losing weight. And then somewhere around October, I fell off. Then the memory from the year before, July 17th. I was working out, I was losing weight. Somewhere around September, October, I fell off. It'd be like every year, be a constant reminder, whatever that time or season is. So it's funny because at the beginning of this series when he talked about, you know, the reasons why we have to do it or where we need to, why we need to focus on our health and our weight loss, one of the main things was because of a goal, because I got to get into this dress or because I'm going to my 10-year reunion or because of this or because of that, all for the wrong reasons, aesthetic reasons. As you said, it can't be for aesthetics. So, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I started and stopped and started and stopped and fell off. But this time, is the last time. Anybody else can say this time is the last time? Amen to that. And let me clarify that. Um, I would say it's not aesthetics alone. Not aesthetics alone. Because how I look does play a part. I mean, it, it, it um, increases my confidence. It has a role. But if all that you're doing in the gym is only focus on the outside, what winds up happening, it tips into other areas where you begin to cheat. Cheat your body and cheat your health. Sometimes taking supplements that are not healthy for you. Sometimes doing th extreme things in your body that's gonna hurt you internally, although it may give you external results. You guys do know that bodybuilders on the stage, they look their absolute best on the stage, but at that particular moment, they're probably the most unhealthy at that moment, bodies are dehydrated, organs need water, because they're, they're striving to look good on the outside, but not really doing what needs to be done to take care of the inside. Does that make sense? Yes. So as we're kind of navigating um, to these concluding thoughts again concerning not quitting, I highlighted this story of Joseph, because Joseph, this, his story is just amazing. God gives him a vision, gives him a dream, just like he's given many of you guys in here concerning your health. And if anybody had a reason to quit, I would say Joseph was my man. He, he probably just should have been like, you know what, forget this. I'm done with it. God gives him a, a, a dream that he would be in rulership, even over his own family, his siblings. And after getting the dream, receiving the dream, his brothers put him in the pit. 
sold him into slavery. He finally gets into slavery, and he, this is what I love about Joseph. His dream was to be in charge. God showed him that he was going to be ruling. Even in slavery, he got promoted to a rulership position. Potiphar's wife lied on him, and he goes to jail. But even in jail, he's still in that rulership position. Here's the question for you all today. What are you doing with what you got right now? Like, really, the opportunities that you have, and, and I, I'm talking about goals from a broad perspective. There are some of you guys that are waiting for the perfect moment in order for you to give your best when you should be doing 100, like, right now. Right now. I, I started this workout regimen, and I was absolutely loving it, um, seeing results. Everything was everything. And then all of a sudden, my wife and I, we got to go out of town for this. And then we went to Houston. And I, I called my trainer. I said, look, I'm going to be out of town, but I got to do something. And he gave me a regiment, a push-up regiment, uh, a, a running, a sprint regiment, things that I can do. Because how I many know it's easy to say, well, I, ain't got, I can't go to the gym, so. So what are you doing with the opportunities that you have now? What can you speak to that, sweetheart? The op <laughs> so... Um, most of you already know that I had surgery back in the fall of last year. And um, after my surgery, I started having a lot of, I had, I had surgery because I was having so many complications. But after my surgery, it's like I traded one problem for some other problems. And so I had started having a lot of other health issues and things that were affecting me because of the surgery. And um, so I started going to, uh, you know, see a nutritionist and see a doctor and, you know, restricting my calories and just trying to become a healthier me because at the end of the day, you know, I always tell him that getting old is not fun. Like I always say, getting old sucks. Sucks. <laughs> That's what you say. <laughs> and he says that it beats the alternative because the alternative means you ain't getting old, you're gone. And so I started really realizing that I am getting older and that I need to do something to take better care of my body, even before. So I've been doing this since March. And, uh, and so I go see them, I go once a month, and I go way in, and this time I had a bad visit, but I had been out of town. So you know, I had all my excuses, because I gained four pounds this month. I had lost 30 pounds, then I gained four pounds this month uh, when I went to check in, and I was like, well, I had all these excuses. Uh, my daughter got married. Um, I, I went to Houston to take the teens, and we had to eat in the cafeteria, we had to eat whatever they had. Um, then I went to Texas, and then it was my birthday, and then I went to Texas for my birthday. So I had all these good excuses, but at the end of the day, I still could make better choices. Even when traveling, I realized, you know, I can make better choices. I can choose salads. And now, when we were at Spiritual Encounter, it really was, well, I, which I, I think I did pretty good because they had salad every day. So I ate a big salad with every meal. Um, but we just have to, you know, make better choices, especially when we travel, because we can always come up with an excuse. That's what I'm trying to say. At the end of the day, we can always come up with an excuse as to why we can't lose weight, why we can't be consistent, why we've given up yet again. And then we find ourselves going through depression or we find ourselves, you know, back at a, at, in a bad place because we didn't make better decisions. So one of the thoughts that uh, I see sprinkled throughout Joseph's story, again, God gives him this vision. Um, he goes into uh, the pit, into slavery, into jail but he's doing what he can, where he can, until the ultimate vision is uh, fulfilled. 
one of the statements that I continue to see, it's, it's in Genesis 39.2, Genesis 39.21, and another place in his story. After something bad happens to him, the Bible declares, the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. It says that concerning his life while he was in slavery. It says that concerning his life while he was in jail. It said that concerning his life while his brothers was hating on him. Are are y'all listening to this? So no matter where you are in your life, you can still succeed at the level that you are right now. And just because I haven't risen to the palace yet doesn't mean that I can't thrive in the pit while I'm here. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Yes. Um, Anything else on that, sweetie? Any thoughts on that? Well, you know, we read it and we read it earlier, and it sounds so good. The Lord was with Joseph. And it reminds me of that scripture that you used to have, and this is something that we can meditate on. Remember, Pastor said the, you know, um, that he used to have this scripture folded in his wallet, and he just took the name off, and he put his name in there. And, uh, you know, rereading that and taking it into, uh, into context, I can say, and the Lord was with Irene. And she became a successful woman. And she was in the house of, you know, whatever, you know, the Lord or wherever, whatever I want to put in there. But we have to make sure that we realize that the Lord is with us. The Bible declares that he'll never leave us, that he'll never forsake us. And even no matter what we're going through, that God is going to work it together for our good. No matter what it is that we're going through, we've got to learn, even what Pastor said last week, to meditate on God's word. Because if we focus on the circumstance, if we focus on the negative, if we focus on the problem, then we'll be consumed by it. That's good. That's good. So the Lord was with him. Here's a question I have for you, and I just want you to answer it in broad strokes. Um, I may give a little, yeah, I will give a little commentary before you make me look bad. (laughs) So what do you do when you have health goals your spouse doesn't support? (laughs) When you have health goals your spouse do not support. Now, we've seen some extreme situations um, from, from our perspective, uh, my wife, because she's an extreme extrovert and I'm the complete opposite, I am an introvert. Intro, introverts make some noise. <laughs> extroverts, y'all just be quiet. Don't say nothing. Y'all talk too much anyway. <laughs> um, when it comes to working out, I actually like to work out by myself. That's like me and God's time. And so our beef in the past have been, I would go walking, but you won't walk with me. And I'm like, won't you walk with yourself? <laughs> I want you call Sister King, <laughs> praise the Lord, to come up here and, and, and uh, to walk with you. So what's, what's been, how did you get over that? Because we still don't work out together. We still, and it's hard. Uh, we don't work out together. Uh, what I started doing was taking my phone with me. Uh, if I can't, I used to drive to the Ocean Springs Bridge, and I think sometimes we set goals that are like really unrealistic because that gets old, driving all the way to the Ocean Springs Bridge to meet a friend every day. That's only gonna last so long. With the way gas is right now, you ain't gonna be driving to the Ocean Springs Bridge every day to walk when you can walk right in your neighborhood. I'm just being realistic. And so I had to start setting realistic goals, and I started walking with my friend, and we walked, she walked her neighborhood, I walked my neighborhood, but we talked and I had my earphones on, 
just like we were together walking. So we would encourage each other. We was huffing and puffing together. We would do things like that together. Although we couldn't come together in the same place and work out, we would do it together and we would hold each other accountable. I believe in accountability partners in various areas of your life. And if you are like me, an extrovert, or you can't do it by yourself, you gotta find somebody to do it with you, whether you're doing it while you're on the phone, you could be on a Zoom call, have five or six people, however you wanna do it, if you can't come together and do it. But the point is, you need an accountability partner, somebody who can hold you accountable for your actions. A lot of times, we don't wanna be held accountable, not in, in, in a lot of areas, not just in eating and you know what we're, what we're doing, but we don't want to be held accountable, but it is vitally important for sustained success. I did Weight Watchers years ago, and it wasn't that Weight Watchers was just so wonderful, or it wasn't that Weight Watchers was like the perfect thing, and I lost a lot of weight doing Weight Watchers, but it was the accountability that Weight Watchers offered that made it successful. That's good, and I, I want to uh, just chime in on that word accountability. And um, so it's funny because I put together like a whole message, like real talk, like a whole message um, a couple of days ago, and I was getting ready to preach it. And so I'm meditating on it last night, Pop, and I'm like, I just, I'm just not feeling this. It's a great word. I may preach it next Sunday. I don't know. But I just wasn't feeling it. So I scrapped the whole thing. And God started talking to me about quitting, quitting, quitting. There are too many people that are on the verge of quitting right now on their dreams, some people on God. I never thought it. I have a friend who I love very, very much. He walked away from the faith. One of the most powerful preachers that I, I knew at that particular time, young guy anyway, walked away from the faith. So there are many, so many people that are quitting. And you mentioned, for me that is, you mentioned one of the key components that you should have in your life to keep you on the right track and to keep you motivated. And that's an accountability partner. How many of you guys have that? Good. Let me show you the, one of the problems with the accountability partner. So I have, I have levels of accountability partners. I have people that are on the same level with me. We, we're striving for the same things. Um, as my wife said with her friend, she, she calls her, she motivates her. But by the same token, I have higher level accountability partners. I, I'll, I'll say it like this. When it comes to venting, um, it's very rarely you're going to hear me vent across the pulpit. I just don't do it. I'm not going to say I've never done it. I just, I, I try to not to do that. Very rarely do I vent even with my peers, with other friends and other pastors. I was taught as a young guy, if you're going to vent, vent up. Always vent up with somebody who can handle that responsibility, handle that weight, and still view you the same. I got one mentor I was trying to raise $250,000. I called him and I was whining. And he said, well, I tell you what, you have faith for your $250,000, uh, $250, I'm going to have faith for my $2.5 million. And so how many know he shut me up? <laughs> and I left and I had faith, right? So even with accountability, my accountability is not just peer level, but it's also upward. What, what does that do for me? I have people in my life, spiritually, naturally, that I've made a, an agreement with, if you tell me what to do in this particular area, it's done. I trust you just like that. I have a pastoral mentor um, that I, I, 
I share with him ideas about things that are going on in the ministry. And if I was to morally fail, if I was to lose my mind or whatever, he's the man of God that would give counsel to my board and give counsel to myself. He's the man of God that can say, no, Pastor, you can't preach today. I got it today. You, you sit down and you get yourself together. Well, when it comes to physical health, I've, I've established that same level of accountability with my coach who gives me my workout plan and he holds me accountable. Hold on, Greg, why, I noticed you didn't log this in the app. Now, there are many of us, we don't want it because we don't want to give people that much space in our lives. And I'm challenging you today that you are missing the boat when you're not doing that. Can I say something too? Because I think sometimes we say we have accountability partners, but we just have a partners that agree with us in what we're doing. And it's and a huge an, difference. And an accountability partner is somebody who's actually going to correct you and check you if needed. They're not going to always agree. So sometimes we have friends. You're like an accountability partner. Uh, if, if you say you, you're, you're not eating any sugar right now, a real accountability partner is going to say, okay, well, I'm not going to eat no sugar with you. Or if you go out to eat and you don't order no sugar, and then they say, um, well, girl, it ain't going to hurt. Just get you one piece. Just get you one. No. That's just a friend, and, and you know, but that's not the person who can hold you accountable in that situation because they're gonna say, No, you said you're not eating no sugar. Uh, they're gonna tell the waitress, Don't put that on the tab. That's what accountability is gonna partner is gonna do. They're gonna help you when you're weak that's good. and not just agree with you. And I think a lot of times we confuse the two and we just take friends and say that our friends are our accountability partners, but they can't always be that that's because good. they're not accountable themselves. That's good. And you got to be careful when you have this overwhelming urge or temptation to isolate yourself outside of accountability. Be careful. Be careful when you say, well, I would tell him, but she going to say this or he might say that. And you decide not to tell him. Usually that's a setup by the enemy. <laughs> because God intentionally put people in your life to help you to establish a godly plumb line. And there are people that care about you, and there are people that love you. I, I'll give you an example. Um, my son and I, our relationship, I'll talk about him since he ain't here. Our relationship is shifting a little bit, and, and I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, but it, it's also scaring me a little bit. So he's at that age where his mama said, you ain't grown yet. And I agree, you ain't grown till you pay your own bills. Praise the Lord. But he sure looking grown to me. He looking grown to me. So our relationship, um, we're developing more of that kind of friend talk, that kind of buddy talk, in a respectful way, because I'm always going to be his dad. But by the same token, as we are building this kind of collaboration with one another, I still have to be that voice in his ear to tell him, okay, son, you need to consider this. You need to watch out for that. Because at the end of the day, um, if I just choose to be my son's friend and don't be his daddy at all, then I'm telling him I don't love him. Are y'all with me in this place? If I choose to be, and that's some of you all, you, you transitioning way too early. Your daughter, six years old, and y'all trying to be buddies. The <laughs> devil is a liar. Yeah. Had one of my babies, I ain't gonna throw them under the bus, but they said, Dad, why you can't be cool like such and such? I said, because I'm your daddy. <laughs> that's why. We not finna be cool right now. You probably not gonna like me for the next 10 years. And that is all right with me. As long as you turn out the way you're supposed to turn out, we'll be friends later. Me and my father, we the best of friends. 
we the best of friends. I hated him growing up. <laughs> I really did. Yeah, because he was always on me. <laughs> the old man was always on me, but guess what? It was for my good. When I look back, everything that my dad checked me on, fussed at me on, and tore me up about, it was something that I needed to be tore up about, fussed at, so forth and so on. We can be friends now. I can't be friends then. That makes sense. Because accountability is necessary. And although we have a good relationship now, I still give him area in my life, room in my life to speak to me. When it came to this woman right here, it meant a lot what my daddy said. I said, Dad, I brought her down. She'll find self. <laughs> brought her down, checked her out, brought her around my parents. And I said, Pop, what you think? Pop said like this, boy, if I was your age, I'd marry her. <laughs> oh, my daddy said. Now, he might have got in trouble with my mama for saying that. Praise <laughs> the Lord. But it makes a difference. When I got ready to start this church, what, 15 years ago? God started dealing with it. And I didn't want to hear it. I, rem I remember I was in a hotel in Dallas, Texas, and I was reading um, Genesis chapter number 12 where God tells Abraham to get from amongst his people, from his kindred, to a land that I will show you. And when I read that scripture, God impressed something on my heart. And watch this. I shut the book, and I said, the devil is a liar. I'm not doing that. Because I had such a loyalty to my man of God. I was, I was committed. And then on the other hand, I saw so many people breaking his heart, leaving, and just, just this, this is, I'm reading this book, and I'm going to buy it for all of my staff members. Um, it's a book by, let's see, I just, I just bought it the other day. That's in that. Help my pastors under pressure. <laughs> That's the title of the book. And uh, Dr. R. Ray Vernon, he talks about the life of the pastor. And, and in essence, my God, I wanted, this ain't what we were talking about, but it was just so good. He says something that I highlighted in here. He says, one of you shall betray me, but until you do, I'm going to love, cover, and teach you everything I know. He says that's the heart of the pastor. Loving people, knowing that one out of every 12 going to stab you in the back. But you got to do it anyway. So I'm seeing people stab my pastor in the back, and I'm saying, God, I don't want to be one of those guys. I'm not going to go to him and tell him that I, that I feel a call to leave. But God wouldn't leave me alone. He, he just wouldn't let me alone. So I finally had that conversation with him, and I came back to my dad because, again, he is a, he's a staple in my life. And my dad said words to me that helped me to get over my fear and all the other emotions the enemy was tormenting me with. My pop said to me, whatever you're going to do for God, do it right now. That was, that was almost 16 years ago. And those words that my daddy said to me still ring clear to this very day. Whatever you going to do, matter of fact, let me tell it to you on today. Whatever you going to do, do for God, you need to do it right now. Time is winding up and you don't know how much time you got left on the earth. God gave you that vision. He gave you that assignment. And whatever it is you going to do for God, Somebody shall do it right now. Do it right now. 
Any thoughts, sweetheart? That's good. That's good. Whatever you're going to do, do it now. I, every day um, that, that I wake up, you know, I, I tell my husband, you know, we're one day closer to our last day. It's a sad reality. Every day that you live, you're one day closer to your last day. And um, because we don't know when that last day is, it's vitally important that whatever we're going to do, we do it now. Um, people say, and it is a true saying, only what you do for Christ is going to last. Only what we do for Christ is going to last. So we can build a name for ourselves. We can build a brand for ourselves. We can have 25,000 degrees, make all this money. But at the end of the day, only what we do for Christ is going to last in the end. That's it. Absolutely. And so we're saying that we need to do it now. That means finish that book now. And I'm talking to myself. Uh, write that song now. Do that poem now. Start that organization now, right now. We're not called to just come in here and get fat off of the word and go back out and just leave fat. We're called, when we come in here, we come, and I posted it on Facebook this morning, we come in here to get refueled and refilled to be better for the next week so that we can be better for our family, so we can be better for our friends, so we can be better for our coworkers. That's our, our only purpose, to come here to get refueled so we can get better, so we can pour it out. So that by the time we come back next week, we're empty and ready for him to fill us back up again. But a lot of times we haven't poured out what we already got and we just stacking it in, stacking it in, stacking it in. But it's time to pour. Like never before, it's time to pour, pour it out. Whatever it is that God has given you, it's time to pour because somebody needs it. I solely believe that we all have our sphere of influence, people that we are meant to reach on our jobs, in our family. We all got unsaved loved ones. We all got people who need work. We need work, but we all got people who, if they left this earth today, they would not see Jesus. And because of that, we need to be pouring. We need to be being that light. Because we don't want anybody lost. One thing we, you know, years ago I said this and, and God showed it to me. People don't have a fear of God anymore. I was talking to somebody about it the other day. Back in the day, you, people didn't even play bad music passing by the church. They would turn their radio down. You wouldn't see breaking in churches. You wouldn't see cussing on church grounds, smoking on church grounds. You wouldn't see any of that. But people have lost the fear for God. And part of the reason is because we think that everybody is going to heaven one day. But it's a sad reality that everybody's not going. And when we take that into a consideration and we look around this room, and we had heard a message years ago that every seat is a soul. Look at all the souls that aren't here today. If every seat in this church represents a soul, look at all the souls that are here today. And then we have to think, why aren't there souls here? Have we been doing what Pastor even taught us in a series a couple series ago? Evangelism? I got to tell somebody? Did we really go out and start telling somebody? 
did we really go out and apply that word so that these souls could be in here and be saved and they could go out and pour on somebody else? It's a reciprocal effect. I come in, I get filled, I go out, I tell somebody. I come in, I get filled, I go out, I tell somebody. And they come in and it, and it multiplies. Somebody needs to hear what God has done for you. Somebody needs to hear your testimony. Somebody's going through the exact same thing that you've gone through, and they are ready to give up. They're ready to give up on their marriage. They're ready to give up on their job, their career. They're ready to give up on their children. You do know people give up on their children, right? They get to a point where they wash their hands, and they don't want to have nothing else to do with their children because they don't know what else to do. So whatever it is that you have wanted to give up on, you need to share that with somebody because I guarantee you somebody else is wanting to give up too. The Bible declares that we are overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the words of our testimony. And I truly believe that the more we share what God has done for us, the freer we will be. But if we don't tell nobody, where is our freedom then? Absolutely. Have y'all enjoyed this? Y'all bless the Lord for my queen. This is what I want to do. I want to pray for people who have been entertaining quitting. That's what I want to pray for today. Um, my God. So this, this whole series uh, that we taught on healthy habits, it was based out of a conviction that God gave me for my personal health. Um, I plan to be around here for a good little while with good quality of health, both physically, spiritually, and mentally. I plan to be here. But if I'm going to do that, there are certain things that I had to change, and I'm continuing to change. And so God is challenging me as well, because how many know change ain't easy, y'all? It's not easy. God is challenging me in this season. Son, just don't quit. Don't quit. Because how many of you all, like me, in past seasons, you have quit? Things God told you to do. And you did it for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a few months, and then you were back to your old routine. Today, God says, don't quit. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. Heads bowed, heads bowed. I want to know who I'm getting ready to pray for. That's you in this place. And in one area or the other, it could be physical health. It could be marital. It could be a financial plan business opportunity goal that you know it is of God but you've entertained some ideas of just kind of walking away throwing in the towel that's you slip your right hand in the hair I want to see who you are I want to see who you are thank you thank you for your honesty thank you thank you I see you in the middle I see you in the back thank you thank you hallelujah with heads bowed and eyes closed I want to challenge you to do something very very boldly come stand before me at this altar I want to pray for you now come on let's go now let's go let's go Let's go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I know it's been tough. I know it's been hard. I know it's been challenging. But today, God gives you a grace. His spiritual son and daughter, God gives you a grace. God blows fresh wind into your sails on today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God, I bless you. I need the saints praying. I need my saints praying, 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 praying. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah.